Hey everyone, welcome back to Love God and Your Neighbor. I'm Laura Hutchinson, pastor of First Christian Church in Anniston, Alabama. First, I want to welcome our liturgist, Renee Rokas, who will be reading the scripture and praying with us today. I also want to give a special welcome to Annie Ingram, who is our beautiful trumpet player and has been sitting out because we've been social distancing so rigidly over the past few months, um, but we have figured out a way to have her join us. I have been meeting with Gerald Roberts every week to record the music you've been enjoying in our worship services, and now we have Annie back again. Our recording session this week was a lot of fun for me, and I'm excited to have you. So I am pleased to have the participation of our church members back in worship. To have Renee and Annie here is just such a pleasure. I'm also glad that all of you listening are here, and I sincerely hope and pray that you are feeling loved in the Spirit of God and blessed by God's presence right now. It is Pentecost Sunday, and we celebrate today the unifying presence of God's Holy Spirit in our midst. Now, some housekeeping things before we get started. I will be on vacation next week. So First Christian Church in Anniston will be worshiping with First Christian Church in Jasper, Alabama during their Facebook Live service at 11 a.m. I will post the link to their page um, to their page on our Facebook page, and I will also text it out to my podcast list next Sunday morning. The next thing is, I would like to thank all of you who have continued to faithfully tithe during this time of worshiping at home, and I would like to encourage you to please continue sending in your offerings. As is true for all churches and nonprofits these days, we have to continue paying the bills, and our ministry has not stopped. It has only shifted just slightly. We are completely dependent on the gifts of our members and supporters, and so I ask you to please either mail a check to 1327 Layton Avenue, Anniston, Alabama, 36207, or go to org. scroll down to the bottom of our homepage, and click the Donate Now button to donate using PayPal. And now, let us prepare ourselves for worship. Collect your elements for communion. Whatever you have will work. And light a candle. Let us remind ourselves that the Spirit of Christ is with us now, wherever we are choosing to worship. And so, in the spirit of Pentecost, let us sing together just a closer walk with thee.
And now let us sing together the chorus to O Come, All Ye Faithful. We will sing, O Come, Let Us Adore Him. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 21. When the day of Pentecost had come, the disciples were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues, as of fire, appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, 
Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea, all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy." And I will show portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. Please pray with me. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Do you know the story of the Tower of Babel? Well, this is how it goes. Genesis 11, 1 through 9 says, Now the whole earth had one language and the same words, and as they migrated from the east, they came upon a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves. Otherwise we shall be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which mortals had built. And the Lord said, Look, they are one people, and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. Nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language there, so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. Well, of course, the moral of the story is the people of the earth, in their unity, became prideful and arrogant. They imagined their greatness, and they built a city and a tower as tall as the heavens to show their superior ability and power. And God saw the danger in their hubris and realized that their common language meant that there were no limitations to what they could do. 
Already, so early in the human race, humanity's sin pushed them to try and be like God. So, to save humans from themselves, God gave them different languages and scattered them across the world. There was confusion and division, and they were no longer able to encourage one another's prideful endeavors. But then one day, everything changed. There was salvation for our sins in Christ Jesus, and humanity had hope again. And after Jesus ascended into heaven, he sent his Spirit. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages, as the Spirit gave them ability." Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem, and at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? Well, the People's New Testament commentary said that speaking in tongues was a common and valued experience in some streams of early Christianity, especially in the Pauline churches. It was the expression of a deep religious experience that could not be expressed in ordinary human language and was thus considered by some to be the language of angels. Only here in the New Testament is the phenomenon understood as the ability to speak and hear in actual human languages that one has not learned. Luke includes this scene in Acts 2 to represent the church as a community that, though it began as a Jewish sect, will become a universal, inclusive community transcending languages and cultures. His reinterpretation of the gift of tongues as the ability to speak foreign languages serves his view of the nature of the church. At the Tower of Babel, God's judgment on human sin was to confuse people's language so that they could no longer understand each other. Just as the primal human sin of arrogance had not only separated humans from God, but alienated them from each other, so the reconciling act of God in Christ and the beginning of the Christian community was the reversal of this judgment, the founding of a community that transcended race, language, and culture. Luke pictures the church as the undoing of Babel. The story in the rest of Acts will show that this did not happen all at once, that the church had to grow into its true identity. But Luke's opening scene of the church's life presents a picture of what the church ideally is and is to become. The church is a community that will become a universal, inclusive community, transcending languages and cultures. And it is all possible because of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you are an environmentalist, I would like for you to put aside just for a moment your opinions that you might have about the effects that dams can have on surrounding ecologies and focus instead on the metaphor of the story I'm about to tell you. 
John Piper provides the following helpful illustration of the Holy Spirit before and after Pentecost. He says, picture a huge dam for hydroelectric power under construction, like the Aswan High Dam on the Nile, 375 feet high and 11,000 feet across. Egypt's President Nasser announced the plan for construction in 1953. The dam was completed in 1970, and in 1971, there was a grand dedication ceremony, and the 12 turbines with their 10 billion kilowatt out per hour capacity were unleashed with enough power to light every city in Egypt. During the long period of construction, the Nile River wasn't completely stopped. Even as the reservoir was filling, part of the river was allowed to flow past. The country folk downstream depended on it. They drank it. They washed in it. It watered their crops and turned their mill wheels. They sailed on it in the moonlight and wrote songs about it. It was their life. But on the day when the reservoir poured through the turbines, a power was unleashed that spread far beyond few folk downriver and brought possibilities that they had only dreamed of. Well... Pentecost is like the dedicatory opening of the Aswan High Dam. Before Pentecost, the river of God's Spirit blessed the people of Israel and was their very life. But after Pentecost, the power of the Spirit spread out to light the whole world. None of the benefits enjoyed in the pre-Pentecostal days were taken away, but 10 billion kilowatts were added to enable the church to take the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ to every tongue and tribe and nation. Oh, come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Fill us up, pour over us, and bring us completely into the presence of the Lord forever. Fill our minds with your voice and our sleep with your dreams and our world with your peace forever. If you ever get the chance to travel... To travel to another country, another town, especially a place with a very different culture from your own. I encourage you to find a Christian church in which you can worship. If you do, I promise you will truly understand what Pentecost is all about. Every time that I've been to Honduras, I've had the opportunity to worship. I've worshipped in Episcopal churches with wealthy members and um, a familiar liturgy and worship style. And I've worshipped in small rural churches that were humble, charismatic, and supposedly so alien to anything that I experience here. And in all of my experiences, whether I understood the language or not, I have joined with my fellow Christians to worship the one true God and to share the blessings of the Holy Spirit. It is absolutely amazing to sit in a shack of a building with people who speak a language that I don't understand, with people to whom I can hardly relate, and to experience the same powerful Spirit of God at the same time as they do. At the moment when the Spirit pours through us, we lock eyes and we know. We are the same. We love the same God. And that same God loves us. There is no divide, no difference. And we are united by Christ. There is hope in the promise 
that the Holy Spirit brings us. Hope that human beings will not be divided by sin forever. Hope that hate and anger and racism will no longer rule this world. Hope that one day all human beings will be reunited as one people who speak one language, who worship one God, and who are all saved by grace for all eternity. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Pour out your mercy upon us, dear Lord. Take away all suffering and all sin. Cleanse us of our earthly desires that drive wedges between us. Help us to finally be rid of all thoughts, desires, and actions that separate us from God and from each other. O come, Holy Spirit, come. We love you. We cherish you. And we hunger for the kingdom of God that you make possible. Please say it with me now. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Amen. Amen. In the seventh chapter of John, Jesus cried out, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me, and let the one who believes in me drink. While Jesus was not specifically speaking of communion, the words translate nicely. If you are here and thirsting for life in the Spirit, come, and as a believer in Jesus Christ, drink, and never be thirsty again. 
On the night when the Lord was betrayed, he took the bread, blessed it, and said, This is my body, broken for you. Eat it in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, blessed it, and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Most gracious God, we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. I pray that as we take this communion, we will remember the sacrifice that you gave for all of us. And it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. I invite you now to take of the bread, the body of Christ broken for you. And I invite you to drink of the cup, the cup of the new covenant. Let's sing together our communion hymn, One Bread, One Body. Please join me in the Litany of Remembrance. You can find it in the information about the podcast. By partaking in this meal, we remember that Christ was born. Christ died. Christ was raised. Christ will come again. This is the mystery of our faith. Thanks be to God. Amen. Now, as you leave this worship service, I would like to encourage you to call upon the Holy Spirit 
as you watch the news, as you grieve the life of George Floyd, as you grieve the rioting that is happening in our cities, as you grieve the loss of trust for our police officers, and as you worry for the safety of the good police officers who work so hard to keep us safe. As we dwell on things that make us different and the things that keep us separated, call upon the Holy Spirit. Ask the Spirit of God to come and to make us one once and for all. O come, Holy Spirit, come. Amen. And now let us sing together, I'll Fly Away. <laughs> 